everybody, welcome back to Q-Tips. We are the Video Store Junkies, LLC, and we are back once again to bring you a few selections to watch over the weekend on streaming. And we're going to jump right into this, and I'm going to throw it to Paul. <laughs> Why, thank you, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. that Zach's been yep. fired, I don't want him to sue us. Is that it? Uh. <laughs> Just kidding, he'll be back next week, I think. I've got a theme this week, and my theme is comedies involving uh self-harm and self and, and um uh suicidal ideation yay that is funny <laughs> and if and if we're talking about comedies involving suicidal ideation what's the granddaddy of them all why it's hal ashby's harold and maude from 1970 oh yay God. yeah and it's currently playing on canopy direct tv and pluto tv so this stars Bud Court as Harold, a young, young, I think he's probably supposed to be like 19 or something, a young man, rich family, and he basically uh, fakes suicide quite a lot. Um, his mom's trying to hook him up with uh, various dates, and he usually will try to commit fake, fake suicide right in front of the date. Um, and uh, he's, you know, hanging out at uh, funerals for fun, and he runs into this older woman uh, in her 70s, played by Ruth Gordon, um, which is Maud, And uh, she's there just for fun as well. And she teaches him to love life. And it's a, it's a very much a, um, it's very much a love story. Uh, uh, very funny, very funny movie. Um, very dark movie, but also very funny movie. And I highly recommend it. If, so it is Harold and Maud by uh, director Hal Ashby, starring Ruth Gordon and Bud Court on on Campy, DirecTV, and Pluto TV. And I'll try to get a little bit more um, uh, articulate. What's the word? <laughs> That's the <laughs> word, articulate. By the time it comes around to me again. And speaking of people who are articulate, maybe sometimes a little too much so, I'll pass this to Bill Mulligan. Why, thank you. <laughs> he talked pretty one day. Uh, so I'm kind of on this... I'm kind of on this... Uh, to my childhood nostalgia crap movies that used to play on tv all the time and now thank god for youtube because uh mm. it's your only chance to see a movie i could have seen pretty much on any given weekend back in the 1970s it's 1946's the flying serpent directed by sam newfield who made over 250 feature films Directed 250 feature films, plus, you know, two real shorts and comedies and newsreels and industrial films. Anything that would pay, this guy would, would film. He was a filmmaking nut. And his name is almost never mentioned. And the reason is, his movies are pretty terrible. They really are. <laughs> um, just a few. White Pongo, The Lost Continent, The Monster Maker, The Mad Monster, and most infamously, The Terror of Tiny Town. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, listen, you make 250 movies, you start, it's like, oh, God, I need a new idea. How about an all-midget western? Ooh, they ride ponies instead of horses. It'll be funny. It's really not funny. Even if you think little people are funny, after about five minutes of it, it it's, yeah. Uh, is there any other joke in this film? No, there isn't. But that's not the one I want to talk about. I want to talk about the flying serpent. Now, if you remember, the other week, I was talking about Bela Lugosi's wonderful The Devil Bat, where he, like, you know, has a growth formula that makes bats into giant bats. And he also invents, coincidentally, but very conveniently, aftershave lotion that will cause the bats to kill people. 
these two completely random discoveries that either one could have made him a fortune. Um, well, this one is totally different. This has got George Zuko, who was in a lot of mummy movies, usually the guy with the turbans say, you know, I will bring Caris back to life. Yeah. Famously played by uh, our own Paul Cardulo in a uh, Sweden version. <laughs> and, and really, actually, if anyone gets a chance, you've got to go on YouTube. We should put a link to it or something, because I, I, I am completely not being sarcastic that you were brilliant in that. I mean, it was deliberate. It was broad comedy. You totally captured exactly the vibe. It was so good. So good. Um, anyway, he captures Quetzalcoatl, the uh, feathered serpent god of the Aztecs. And um, it's just a hand puppet. Keeps it in a cage. And uh, he plucks feather. He taunts it, taunts this creature, plucks a feather from it. And then anyone he gives the feather to, it will, he lets it go. And it leaves and kills the person, gets its feather. And this part I never really understood. It goes back to its cage. I, I you know, whatever. Um, this is 100% Devil Bat remake. It's, it's, and it's not good. Uh, you know, the, the hand puppet does fly. You know, this is PRC. PRC made some of the cheapest stuff in the world. And um, Sam Newfield made so many movies for them that he had two or three um, you know, pseudonyms that he would use so that they wouldn't wake up to the fact that um, this is a really rinky-dick studio that has like one guy directing all the movies, shooting 20 movies a year. Oh, my God. It, it just it boggles my mind. It's on YouTube. Um, and you know what? Listen, they don't make them like this anymore. It's 60 minutes of very formulaic action, but it's it's fun. It's fun and cheap, and, you know, the monster's not terribly monstrous. The monster's, the monster's about the size of an eagle, you know? And he doesn't look at all like a snake, so I don't know where they get the feathered serpent part from. So I don't know. Yeah. The next one's better. But in the meantime, I will throw this over to the lovely Renee. Hello, everybody. Quick editor note. The title of this film is The Night Eats the World. I apologize. I'm going to say it wrong at least twice. Okay, bye. Well, thank you so much. Bye. First recommendation is The Night Ate the World. This movie is directed by French filmmaker Dominique Rocher, and it stars Norwegian actor Anders Danielson Lee. So, and it actually is a mix of English, French, and Norwegian. The movie is in English, and the actor speaks English. However, there is a little bit of French, and there are some bits that are in Norwegian. There are no subtitles. But they are short enough bits that I think you really kind of get the implication of what is being said. This movie opens with Sam, who is played by Anders, arriving at his ex-girlfriend's apartment in Paris to pick up some of his things. And there is just this major rager going on. And he just he just wants to get in and get out. So he gets up in this room and he has like a nosebleed and he essentially kind of passes out but luckily before he did that he shut and locked the door because he didn't want anybody from this annoying ass party to bother him while he was trying to gather up all his stuff and so lucky for him he woke up in the morning just fine unfortunately nobody else did as everybody has turned into zombies <laughs> uh -oh. 
Yes. So the zombie movie concept is definitely not original, but this some really kind of unique spins. One, I think one thing that I can say that's not really a spoiler is the zombies make no noise. They they don't Ooh, have neat. like yeah like their vocal cords mm. you know kind of what you would think they're they're not having yeah. air going in and out of their lungs they shouldn't be going um yeah so they're very very quiet which adds a really kind of cool spooky element to things it is all filmed in one location in this apartment and this man is essentially alone he's all by himself and there's something that's sort of realistic about this also, where I think, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get my guns. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be Rick Grimes and everything's going to be super dope and awesome. And this guy's like, nah, I think I'm just going to chill right here and hunker down. And this is going to be what I'm going to do. And so you kind of go through this situation with him of how he's dealing with getting by physically to survive, but also mentally and the things he's doing to kind of keep himself from going absolutely uh, insane. For being a singular, you know, a movie with only one actor, I think he did a great job. There's obviously not a lot of dialogue. It, I just thought it was really great. And you can watch this movie. Honestly, you can watch this movie almost about everywhere. It's on Amazon. It's on, of course, mm -hmm. my beloved Tubi. Um, but yeah, I really liked it a lot. I think it kind of maybe slipped under the radar. It came out in 2017. I don't really remember what the hell was going on in 2017. So anywho, that is my recommendation. The Night Ate the World. And I'm going to pass this back over to you, Paul. All right. Well, I'm going to try to be more articulate this time. So back on my theme of comedies involving suicidal ideation, uh, we go to one of my favorites that has not been on streaming for the longest time and finally is. It's 1985's Better Off Dead oh. um, by Savage Steve Holland and uh, starring John Cusack. And it's on Fubo and Paramount Plus with Showtime. So uh, this, is, this is interesting. It's like a, it's an 80s teen comedy, but is so different from the other 80s teen comedies. It is really got, um, it's got more of an absurd style of humor to it and kind of surreal and absurd but not quite to the point of something like airplane, but there's a lot of weirdness in it, which is fun. A lot of great little animation segments because seven Steve Holland was actually an animator um, at one point. Um, so John Cusack plays Lane Meyer, who he's just in love with his, his girlfriend, uh, Beth, who's played by Amanda Weiss from, uh, she was uh, the one in the body bag in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, <laughs> Tina, I think. And uh, she dumps him. She dumps him for Roy Stalin, the the blonde-haired head of the, the ski team, who's the only one who can ski the K-12 and survive. And so John Cusack decides uh, he, he wants to kill himself, and, uh, and then he kind of screws up and doesn't and does and doesn't. But meanwhile, his friend... Uh, Charles, played by the wonderful Curtis Armstrong, who he plays, uh, who I guess he's been in high school for seven years, and, and he's a uh, um, he's he's basically semi drug addled. But anyway, he tries to coach mm -hmm. John John Cusack through all this, and decides, you know, well, if you can get on the ski team, or if you can ski the K twelve, you know, you're going to. And meanwhile, there's the uh, Monique, played by Darren Franklin, who's the French exchange student who is across stuck across the street. With, with um, 
Ricky, played by uh, Dan Schneider. We won't speak uh-huh. anymore about Dan Schneider, but still. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it is, it's just really funny, really weird. Uh, David Ogden Stiers plays the dad. You've got Kim Darby as the mom who just makes some really terrifying food. Uh, yep. And you've got... You've got Johnny the Paperboy who just wants his two dollars. There's some great running gags in this film. It's eminently quotable. Just some really fun gags. Um, I, I love this thing, and it's 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 again it's it's got this again this strange like this absurdness to it that mm-hmm. that really sets it apart from typical '80s uh, teen comedies, and uh, so. It you know it has and it only has a very small smattering of casual racism and casual casual misogyny compared to most eighties teen uh, comedy. Oh, so that's pretty go. good though. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's so much fun. I was so excited to see that this is on on uh, streaming because it, it has not been on streaming for the longest time. So this is Better Off Dead from nineteen eighty five, and I will pass this to somebody who we are glad is not dead. It's Bill Mulligan. Uh, the week is young. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so here's one from 1957, and this one was another one that was on permanent rotation on Creature Features. And it's mm-hmm. always, I knew even then, this was a cheapie, but the, it, it's always had a weird fascination for me. And watching it again after many decades, it's just one of those films, it has been imprinted in my brain. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Lines of dialogue, I I forget what I had for lunch today, but I it's just it all comes back. <laughs> I don't know. You watch some of these things at the right time and the right mood, and they just they they imprint onto you. It's 1957's "The Man Who Turned to Stone," hmm. and this one doesn't really get Ooh. talked about a lot, but I think it's really pretty good. And it's got an interesting pedigree. For one thing, it's written by a writer who was later blacklisted during the McCarthy times, uh, Bernard Gordon, who went on to write, among other things, "Day of the Triffids" and "Earth versus the Flying Saucer." Many times with a front, he'd have somebody, you know, take credit for it, but he was the one who actually wrote it. Over time, they've begun to uh, reestablish his writing credits for these films and all. It was a terrible time. And this is just, it's, okay. So it's set in a girl's detention home. All these girls look like, yeah. They all look like they're in their 20s or so. So even back then, Hollywood just would never cast teen actual teenagers to play teenagers. I don't know what these women are actually there for. It's it's so it's got a little bit of that 1950s juvenile delinquent vibe. But again, these are 1950s juvenile delinquents, you know. They're just a bunch of scamps. That's all. Maybe tramps in this case, but they're being killed, <laughs> well, they're dying at an astonishing large rate. You know, they're dying mm-hmm. of heart attacks. I mean, come on. So a couple social workers show up, check it out, and uh they meet the manager, Dr. Murdoch, and, um, you know, he seems, he seems legit, you know, a little creepy. Um, anyway, turns out there's a hidden laboratory and the doctors, a whole group of them have found a way to extend their lives by draining the life force from the girls with their super cool, uh, science equipment, which is basically a bathtub and some wires. This is not an expensive <laughs> movie. This is not, but it's not a, a, a PRC or um, the other one, I can't remember, Monogram. It's actually from Columbia. So I guess, you know, it's well photographed and everything. They So the thing is, though, if these doctors don't keep getting this life force, they uh, they start looking like zombies with really exaggerated raccoon eyes and everything. And their heartbeat starts bumping, you know, gets loud and they turn to stone and die. 
Um, there's a couple of really cool scenes in it. One where they've all kind of gotten it together and voted that one of these guys, eh, maybe it's time you just died. You know, you're, you're not really feeling immortality anymore. And at first he's okay with it, but as it gets closer and closer, he's like, uh, maybe, 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 uh, maybe I haven't quite finished my research. Like it's okay, Kevin, we'll, we'll do it for you. Um, that's pretty cool. And, and the ending, whereas this place, as they always do burning to the ground, the surviving evil doctors, just sort of sit there and dictate uh, the results of their latest uh, stuff. You know, obviously a Harvard guy goes out on, t- you know, he knows he's doomed, but you know, he's going to, he's going to go out all proper like and everything. It's got um, a performance by an actor who absolutely fascinates me. He's known as uh, Friedrich von Lederber, but that's, that's just a little bit of his name. His actual name is, Friedrich Anton Maria Hubertus Bonifacius Graf von Lederberger Weichen. Wow. Probably mispronounced a few of those, but geez. (laughs) So, of course, they had to to shorten it because you couldn't get this on the marquee. You could barely get this on the poster. (laughs) And he's this really gaunt-looking guy. He's most famous for playing uh, Queequeg in John Huston's Moby Dick. Oh. Although he's German, he's not at all Polynesian, so I guess it's kind of tattoo face or whatever. But he's really good because he's just so he's so craggy. He's so craggy, and he later uh, he was in Slaughterhouse Five playing a German. He's in Alexander the Great. He was he was in the Twilight Zone episode. Paul, you remember this one, The Howling Man? Oh yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, he's one of the uh, brothers. He's brother Christophorus or whatever. I mean, he oh, just. Okay. He really looks like, you know, if you're going to be with, um, who else was in that? Did, did that one have um, John Carradine? Did he play the, the main I don't know priest? If was he the one who played the, um... yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't remember who but, was in that. I just remember the story, you know? It's a great story. But but yeah, he's so good. And he, he plays Eric, who's like the hired muscle here. He's, well, he has a dialogue, but he's basically the guy they send out to grab the women and they smash things against him, but he's already turning to stone. Um, mm. Man, this movie's just a whole lot of fun. Again, they don't make it like this anymore. It's 72 minutes, so you're not going to, you know. And you know, I like these films. I just like them. They're, they're cheap. If, if by some miracle they actually bombed, and it's hard to imagine that they could possibly lose money, they weren't going to lose that much money. Going to put the studio in harm's way. I'm looking right at you, the Marvels. These, you know, these things, they just, they were, they were, did what they were meant to do. You know, bottom half of a, of a two picture deal. And I think you'd have a lot of fun watching this. The man who turned to stone. It's just, I think it's pretty well written, actually. I enjoyed it. And it, it's, I, again, I, I, these things are all in the public domain. Nobody was going to waste a stamp sending in the renewal forms for the man who turned to stone. I doubt that many people even remembered it existed. They, they thought these things will just be turned into guitar picks or something. They didn't know about video and TV back in 1957 that this stuff would become immortal. But it's on YouTube, because what isn't? And, um, yeah, just great fun. And... I will send this over to someone who, if she turns anyone to stone, it's just because of her beauty and snake-like hair. That's Ah! Renee. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So there are few things that I love more than a good shark exploitation movie. (laughs) Yes. And it has been a hot minute since I have recommended 
a good shark movie. And by hot minute, I mean it's been approximately two months. So my recommendation is one that I have done before, but it has been over a year. And that is Bad CGI Sharks. Yay! Yeah, this movie is great. Oh my goodness. Okay. Two estranged brothers have come back together and are reconnecting to finish a script they started when they were kids. The brothers in the movie are played by actual brothers, Jason and Matthew Ellsworth. And their other partner, Matteo Molinari, plays this narrator who is so ridiculous. Okay, the whole movie is just ridiculous. I'm convinced that it is at least 30% documentary. It is very tongue-in-cheek. It's it's very smart. It's funny. They know they know what they're doing. They are just completely making a almost a love letter in a way to the shark exploitation genre. It's just so much fun. And honestly, the production value is good. It's really good. A lot of these movies have really terrible production value, but this one actually is good. It's just fun. I it's I just yeah, it's really fun. I recommend it. That's my very short <laughs> recommendation <laughs> for bad CGI sharks. I honestly, it's just so fun. If you can't enjoy this movie, then you probably would not enjoy any other shark exploitation movies. And that makes me very sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't remember where you can watch this. Probably on Tubi, I'm sure. Yes, you can definitely watch this on Tubi. Yay, Tubi. So does anybody have anything they would like to... Uh, sing us out with or or speak us out with i mean you know harold maud does have a have a lot of songs by um at stevens by, uh, at stevens yeah yeah so oh. so we and i think it ends with this one well, well if you want to sing out sing out and if you want to be free be free because there's a million things to be you know that there are and if you want to be high, be high. And if you want to be low, be low. Because there's a million ways to go. You know that there are. For the weekend of November 24th, Bill recommended The Flying Serpent, available on Tubi and Plex. And The Man Who Turned to Stone, available on YouTube. Paul recommended Harold and Maude, Available on Paramount Plus, Pluto, and DirecTV. And Better Off Dead, available on Paramount Plus, Fubo, and Showtime. I recommended The Night Eats the World on Prime, Tubi, Peacock, and Pluto. And Bad CGI Sharks on Tubi, Voodoo, and Plus. And if you want to say yes, say yes. And if you want to say no, say no. There's a million ways to go. You know that there are I totally forgot to mention the director, Dominique Rocher, who did The Night Ate the World. He's got a show on Topic, which is like kind of a very niche streaming service. But so he's got a show on there called The Rope. Hmm. So some scientists isolated in Norway discover a mysterious rope in the forest. Which mm-hmm. appears to be endless. Yes, you know where this oh, is going. Oh, on it. Oh, Jesus, people. Yes, and of course, some of them, some of the scientists decide to follow the rope, and others do not follow the rope. 
I have no idea if this show is good or bad. It obviously has kind of a supernatural vibe to it, but it might be really cool. I love weird shit in the forest. <laughs> All my favorite things hang out. That sounds creepy. That sounds that sounds like who's that? Um, that does, yeah. It sounds like the, the Japanese um, manga artist who just has those crazy premises and you know. Oh, Junji Ito. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like that one. Uh, the one, the, the one I've never forgotten, uh, where they find there are caves cut into a mountain. Yeah, the the enigma of uh, the enigma of something or other fault. So good, and and they're they're shaped like a person, and you find the one that's perfect for you, and you if you go into it though, you can't get out. Yeah, the enigma of Emigara fault. Yeah. Oh, You've man. seen that, haven't you, Renee? No, yes, that is one that lived in my nightmares for mm-hmm. yeah. too long. There's a million things to be, you know that there are. And if you want to live high, live high. And if you want to live low, live low. Because there's a million ways to go, you know that there are. What you want the opportunities are and if you find a new way you can do it today you can make it all true and you can make it undo